Gordon. This is for the culture. Topics we speaking on, take it easy. Breaking down barriers, building bridges of need. Father, stretch your hands to youth out of your reach. This the Mecca Gordon's lecture is glowing up to their seats. Let's begin upon a topic. And since we going hard in, it should take off like a rocket. Extra drip leaking faucet. Heart ain't on my sleeves because my brain's not in the closet. This one about capital. Tell me what's in your wallet. This the Mecca. Yes, sir. Diamonds made from pressure. I'll make it real for you if you take your time to dress up. Postal service attitude. That's how I address you. Rain down with gratitude and pray it's an umbrella. The Mecca. Yeah. All right, welcome everyone to the Mecca Podcast, part two of episode two, Get Your Life. As we continue the discussion on resumes, interviewing, and the art of networking. I'm your host, Darius Thomas. I'd like to give a big shout out to Juliana Smith at Colgate University for killing it in part one. Hopefully everyone was able to take away something from the wealth of gems that were dropped. Now for this part of the episode, you will hear from two amazing women who are blazing trails in college athletics. We have Armani Dawkins from the University of Oklahoma and Jessica Poole at Florida Atlantic University. These two will give us their perspective of what they look for in external and internal affairs positions. You don't want to miss this, so stay tuned as we return to the Mecca Podcast. You're listening to the Mecca Podcast, Episode 2, Part 2, with your host, Darius Thomas. Looking for something to read? Well, Mecca has you covered. Here's a list of suggested reading. The Heritage, Black Athletes, A Divided America, and the Politics of Patriotism by Howard Bryant. What I Know For Sure by Oprah Winfrey. From Good to Great by Jim C. Collins. And The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we have two special guests joining the show. We have Armani Dawkins, who is the Senior Associate Athletic Director and Chief of Staff at the University of Oklahoma. And we have Jessica Poole, the Senior Associate Athletic Director for External Relations at Florida Atlantic University. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. All right, so we're going to get straight into it. So both of you work in two different areas of the athletic department. We have the internal and the external. So we'll open up the conversation to discuss what you look for in candidates in these areas when hiring. We'll start with you, Armani. What do you look for when hiring internal positions and what can a candidate do to stand out? So in looking at the candidates as applications come in and we're looking at materials, you know, making sure all of that is uh, organized and clean and professional and easy to read. Um, you know, something to keep in mind is, depending on the position, it's you know it could be hundreds of, of resumes and applications that you're looking for. 
So oftentimes it's easy to want to, you know, add colors or photos or things to make it stand out. Um, But when you're going through it quickly as a hiring manager, um, you already have an idea of the type of skill sets you're looking at. Um, So that's what's going to jump off the page rather than some of those other, you know, really showy type of details. Now, once we go through that process and someone comes to campus, one of the most important things to keep in mind is an interview is a personality test. So if we've invested the time and the financial means to bring you to campus, we know you can do the job. We're pretty convinced you can do the job. It truly then becomes all about fit. As a hiring manager, if the role will be directly reporting to me, I'm thinking about how our personalities will work together, um, your leadership styles, will they mesh with mine? Um, Do you have a strength that's a weakness for me so we can balance each other out? So it's really about, you know, showcasing that personality in a very genuine, authentic way, but also, you know, being being sure to um, show that you've done your research on the institution and even on the people that will be um, interviewing with you that day. So, you know, for me, number one thing, it's all about fit. And I'm not always just thinking about fit with me. But, you know, if it's a senior level position, um, particularly in my role, tasked with um, often advising and offering suggestions to our athletic director, how will you mesh with him? How will you fit in with our team um, as well? I'm looking for a lot of the same things that Armani is looking for in terms of when I'm going through resumes, I know the skill set I'm looking for. I, you know, I know exactly what I'm looking for. The biggest thing for me is fit, um, both internally and externally. Um, the biggest thing for me when I'm hiring someone for an external position is, are you going to fit in with the demographic that our institution is at? You know, we are a here at Florida Atlantic, we're a young, we're a young institution, we're a super young athletic department. And so we really need movers and shakers and creative, creative thinkers. And if you're someone who is very set in your ways and very regimented, it's not going to be a good fit for us, both internally or externally. So for me, it's really important that the folks that are applying for jobs in external areas really have a great understanding of who the institution that they're going to be working for is, um, where they are in their growth process as a department or even an an academic institution um, is really important because I'm going to be asking you to represent us in a variety of different external areas, whether it's ticketing, whether it's marketing, whether it's working um, with donors, you know, you have to know exactly who we are and who we want to be and how to connect with people in a variety of different settings. And that's really important. But I think, as Armani mentioned, it all does boil down to fit. You know, whether you're applying for an internal or an external position, it's got to be a good fit. You know, for me, I know that I want people that know how I think so that if I'm not not in a situation that that person can speak for me and know exactly what I'm looking for, exactly what we want to say as a department. So it doesn't always fall on me. So I think fits the, the biggest thing in any in any interview type process. Make sure it's the right fit for you and make sure that you're the right fit for that place. Okay. So both of you mentioned fit as someone who's also done a little hiring in the past. I think the fit is an area that is often overlooked, but just kind of talk on that. How important is it? I know a lot of times people may have the conversation of it's not about fitting in. It's about making it better. But when you're looking for the fit, is it to fit into a current culture we could be broken in some places, but it could really be a good situation. What fit are you looking for? 
Is it more on fluency with the staff or what is currently in place? And we'll start with you on this one, Jess. I think for me, fit is, you know, fit is a lot of things. I think that you have to fit in with where you're going. Um, You have to when you're looking for jobs, and I think this is more of a just a broad based thing, not an external or an internal thing. But I think when you're looking for jobs, you have to make sure that you can affect change there, Um, regardless of what the culture is like the moment you walk in regardless of what you want the culture to be, how can you fit into that place and make it better, um, leave it better than you found it, um, and grow it? And I think that's one piece of fit. I think another piece of fit is you really have to fit in with you know, your supervisor, or and maybe not fits the right word, but compliment. Um, you guys have to be able to work together. Um, you know, you have to be able to agree to disagree and it not be the end of the world. Um, I think that's a key a key piece of fit as well. Um, and I think that being able to fit in with the gra- uh, the greater university institutional department mission is really key as well. Because if your department is really wants to be innovative and um, creative and out of the box and you're very regimented, that's, that's just not going to work long term. I think with internal roles, one of the things you really have to keep in mind is um, you're dealing with people and it's truly getting the job done through others. So um, are, do you have the ability to come in and build relationships um, and build trust? A lot of times building trust, um, some folks say, uh, show me you can do the work first, then I'll trust you. Other people say, well, if they were good enough to be brought here and we hired them, then I trust them, they can do the job. And so you have to find that balance of um, building those relationships, gaining that trust, you know, either through through your work or um, just having that confidence that you've been brought here for a reason to, to serve the institution and do the job. It's flexible leadership styles with internal roles. Again, thinking about um, you're dealing with people, you're getting the job done through others. So Jess has mentioned a couple times someone that's very regimented is hard to be a good fit because leadership styles that work with our marketing team might not work when I try to go over and connect with compliance on something. Um, And so people that are adaptable, people that have the confidence and and really the skill set to lead um, different groups of people, um, it's often why I'm such a big advocate of diversity and experience because I think um, it will help you connect with different areas in the department if you can have that foundational experience of going through what they've been through before or doing similar projects that they have to work on. That ability to connect, get the job done through others, um, you know, adapt your leadership style to serve the people. Um, Because that's really, you know, what a lot of those internal roles are about is, um, you know, whatever the goal is, whatever um, the vision, the mission that's driving us, um, none of it works if you're not getting buy-in from the people. Absolutely. And for someone like myself who got a start on the internal side in HR when I was in college and then kind of moved over to the external side, I completely understand both of those. So we'll move ahead a little bit and talk about when these candidates are preparing to apply for the jobs. What are the things that can help them really get from the stage of hidden submit on the application to actually make them stand out without really overselling themselves? So it's so cliche and we hear it all the time, but college athletics is is truly a business much 
like others that it's not always what you know, it's who you know. And so I think, you know, it, it, it sometimes feels like the right approach or the right strategy to cast the biggest net, you know, the widest net as you possibly can and apply to as many different things as you can. And there's a strategy to it. And you have to build your network and grow your network and use that network to help you get plugged in. I think particularly as people of color, we often talk about the challenges that can come with getting tapped into some of those networks that have a seat at the table, that have decision-making power. I think that's when you have to fall back and, you know, shine in your own lane, do the work and put yourselves in a position where those that have decision-making power will notice that work and want to champion you as well as maybe mentor you. So I think you know in terms of how do you rise to the top how do you you get noticed it's about being strategic and I think you can certainly tell when a person has applied for you know many jobs and you are maybe one of 30 schools they have an application in for versus someone who is truly passionate about the role passionate about your institution um, supporting your student athletes supporting your coaches and again you know how, how can you tell how how can that jump out at you off of you know a piece of paper or or even on a phone interview again it's it's personality and and being strategic about the way in which you word your materials i think something that often goes overlooked in the process or or maybe something that you know isn't referenced is a school's mission statement what do they stand for what do they value and when that aligns with with your own values and what you believe in it just comes out of you in a way that you're not selling it um you know you're not being fake about it so i think finding that you know, genuine attitude about what it is you're applying for and letting that show, you know, in your materials, but also as you advance in the um, interview process. I think that's I think that's true, too, on the external side is that you really do have to you have to know who your stakeholders are. Um, externally, there are numerous amounts of stakeholders and, you know, at any given institution and, you know, what what a donor may may be interested in or or the type of relationship a donor is looking to build with a staff member is completely different than a coach that is looking to get a marketing video done. So I think that, you know, on the external side, it's really, it's also very important to be flexible and adaptable. In a lot of external roles, you have to, you have to be a chameleon. You have to, you know, one day you're, um, you know, at a donor dinner doing something and the next day you're, you're doing something with um, the volleyball team for a marketing promo shoot. And it's, it's really about being adaptable and flexible. And I know from a, from an internal standpoint, coaches appreciate that. Coaches appreciate folks who are able to really understand um, what they do on a day-to-day basis, which is why I always tell the people that I work with, get to know your coaches, get to know your student athletes, because they're they're going to give you more than you've ever imagined just by you showing up and being present. So being adaptable and flexible is really important. That's some real solid advice. All right, ladies, we'll take a quick break. And when we return, we will take a few questions from our Mecca Rising Stars. So stay with us on the Mecca Podcast, Episode 2. You're listening to Episode 2 of the Mecca Podcast, Part 2 of Get Your Life, Resumes, Interviewing, and the Art of Networking. Have a question for our host or guest of the Mecca Podcast? Send us an email to meccapodcast at gmail.com. That's M-E-C-A podcast at gmail.com. Or you can submit it via Twitter. The handle is at Mecca Podcast. 
And we are back on episode two, part two of the Mega Podcast. We'll continue here with Jessica Poole from FAU and our Money Dawkins from Oklahoma. All right, question number one comes from Crystal C, and this is for you, our money. How many pages should our resume be? Your resume should be reflective of your experience. So thinking about where you are in your journey as a rising star, you probably don't have as much experience as, um, you know, a senior level administrator or someone who's been in the game for a while. So keeping that in mind, it always is a red flag for me when I see someone that doesn't have a lot of experience, but has somehow stretched the resume to be multiple pages. Don't put fluff in there. Don't put things in there just because you're feeling like, ah, I don't have enough and mine's not long enough. Um, I'm looking for the snapshot of your experience. So be honest about that. Be truthful about that because keep in mind, everything that you put down on the resume are things that I should be able to ask you about and you um, very clearly articulate examples of those things that you've done. So in terms of length, keep it close to a page. If you have to spill over to two, right, that's because you have the experience and you have things on there that are relevant um, to your career path and your journey. Again, I just think it's being conscious as you're composing your resume about not putting a bunch of fluff in there, not pulling, putting things in there just to fill up space. And then I think it's, you know, tailoring the resume for the role that you're in. As you rise in your career, certain things can fall off of the resume. Maybe it's those, um, you know, summertime jobs that you had that really don't have any relation or, um, you know, really don't tie into the role that you're applying for. You know, if you worked in retail over the summer and you're applying for, um, you know, a job in compliance, how does that matter? That's one more thing for me to read. And again, going back to the previous point about we're going through these materials quickly. So it's concise, to the point, organized, polished, um, all of those things, you know, help us get through it. If you have a bunch of stuff on there that, um, you know, you're just filling up space and trying not to make yourself have a short resume, it'll be noticed. And, and then when I get to the end of your resume, I'll find myself saying, and there really wasn't anything here. So just being conscious about that, less about um, it has to be this many pages, more about is everything I'm putting on here um, relevant to the position that I'm trying to be given. All right, next question is for you, Jessica. It's two questions from two different rising stars, but they work hand in hand with each other. Joseph H. asks, is social networking still worth it? And Brianna C. wants to know, if you're not naturally a social person, how can you make the most of a networking event? Okay, so I think that social media, you have to make it what you want it to be. I think that, you know, more and more these days, social media is, you know, is a blessing and a curse. I think that people that, that do social media well, um, you know, are that are funny, that are witty, that, you know, interject themselves in the right way into, you know, everyday conversations that people are having around the water, the proverbial water cooler. Um, it's, it's, it's good. Um, I think that many people that are hiring are looking through social media. So if you, 
you know, if you're good at social media and you like that type of thing, I think that it's worth it for you just because it's something you like to do. I don't think you have to be on social media. Um, A lot of people will tell you, you know, if you get to this certain level, you have to be on social media. You don't have to do anything. Um, You know, you can have a social, social media account and never write on it at all, but use it to just kind of keep up with things that are going on um, and to follow people, whether it's your coaches or your AD or whomever, um, you don't have to actively be on social media for it to be a tool for you. And as I tell people all the time, social media is a tool and use it as such. Like you don't need to... You don't need to air any of your dirty laundry. You don't need to tell people what you're eating for dinner every day or what you're having for breakfast or who you saw on the bus. Or You don't need to use it for that, but use it in a way that is comfortable to you. Um, as far as someone that's not very social, um, kind of using social networks, or maybe even this is a question for just like networking period, I think sometimes you have to stretch yourself. Um, I think that you're never... You know, and this is kind of taken from something my mom told me a long time ago. People aren't meant to be alone and people aren't meant to be siloed. So you really do sometimes have to stretch yourself, um, you know, make it a point to like say hello. You know, if you're at a conference, say hello to two different people every day um, and just kind of, you know, be friendly and smile. You don't have to be, um, you know, overly extroverted to have a have a network. I mean, one of my very best friends is the most introverted extrovert I've ever met in my life. And she just merely has people, you know, tons of friends because she's just got a great smile. And people are attracted to that and they'll come up and talk to her. And, you know, she very rarely says more than, mm-hmm, okay, awesome. But, you know, she has a good network of people because she's just got a friendly presence. Um, but I do think it's important in this business to really make sure that we are expanding our networks and because that's where you're going to you're going to find those mentors that you're searching for you're going to find your tribe the folks that are really wanting to to help you grow um and and those people will help elevate you along your career but if you don't have those folks um particularly as people of color we need all we need allies to help us we need people that look like us to help us so we have to stretch ourselves sometimes um and it, i'm not saying you have to go out and you know, be super extroverted at places, but but stretch yourself a little bit. And I think that nine times out of 10, you're going to find it's worth it. All right. The last question is for both of you. And it comes from Amanda E. What is someone mainly looking for in a cover letter? Ooh, this is a good one. So I'm going to tell you what I think about cover letters. I think your cover letter is a place where you can really show your personality and show how much you know about the place that you are applying to a job for. Um, I, I tend to, if you know, especially if you're a rising star and you don't have a ton of tangible work experience, I think your cover letter becomes even more important because that's a place where you can tell people in your own way who you are, where you want to go in your career, and why you want to be at their institution. Um, and you can do that as creatively as, as you want. And I'm probably saying this because I'm a little bit more of a creative type. Um, but I think that it's a place where you can really you can really shine. And, you know, if you don't have a ton of things for your resume, your your cover letter can be a place where you blow people out of the water. Yes, I um, I would completely agree with Jess on that one. I would add something you can do with cover letters because they're all they're very different. They're very unique. 
um, people tailor them to their personality. They obviously tailor them to the job. Ask to see people's cover letters. That was one of the best things I did when I was um, coming up in the business. Um, at the time, I was an assistant director, and I asked one of our senior associate ADs, can I just see your cover letter? And it was so well put together and to the point, and to this day, it has the cover letter that I always use um, the format that I always use but I think to Jess's point it's a way to get a little bit creative show that you've done that initial research on the institution um, but why they should want to talk to you more so the cover letter is really the the item within your materials that should um, spark my interest create some in intrigue that's then gonna wanna make me turn the page and jump into the resume, that's then gonna wanna make me pick up the phone and screen you that way, in person, so on and so forth. So we talk about there being an art, a science, a process to interviewing. You should really think of the cover letter as this is the first chance for a hiring manager to get a glimpse at um, at who I am and and what I'm all about. One of the things you know within that cover letter for myself that I, I talk about, I always try to match things about the university that I'm um, interested in or the position I'm interested in with skill sets that I have. So let's use Oklahoma as an example. It's one of the most storied programs in college athletics. So if I can throw that nugget in my cover letter, boom, that resonates with a hiring manager who's most likely had a very long tenure at Oklahoma, has very a lot of pride in the fact that it's one of the most storied athletic programs, you know, in the history of college athletics. And so you're dropping little nuggets within that cover letter to, again, help you rise to the top of the applicant pool. And those are some awesome nuggets. Well, thank you both Armani and Jessica for taking out your time for being on episode two, part two of the Mecca podcast. We hope that our guests enjoyed all the wisdom that you had to share. And we look forward to speaking with you more in the future. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Now in the next episode, we have some more of our uh, special guests from the Mecca group. So don't miss out on episode two, part three of Get Your Life, where we'll do a lot of focusing on networking. Thank you guys for joining us and see you next time. The music for this episode of the Mecca podcast was brought to you in part by Truth Gordon and the My Crown Music Group. <laughs>